Welcome into a new edition of the Crowd Assist Podcast. I'm on your host, Kevin Masseri, here with Ryan Thomas, uh, going uh, through all of the news and nuggets around Buffalo Bills football, as well as around the NFL, some breaking news topics around what's going on with the pick, first pick overall, some really big free agents that, in my opinion, are still available, big names, uh, as well as kind of wrapping up the show with some draft prospects as we get into April for draft season. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Kev. How are you? I'm doing well. And as always, this is brought to you by Trainwreck Sports, um, the, your host for all things Buffalo sports, as well as all types of different topics. As this show is presented by Picasso's Pizza. Get out there and get the best pizza in Buffalo. Uh, we're going to start at the top here with um, the talks that you know we, we've mentioned of these free agents that are still available, um, namely Jameis Winston, um, Cam Newton, and you know even Jadevian Clowney, and there's still you know Everson Griffin, a couple of other names out, a couple of bigger names out there. Uh, we'll start with you. Um, if they were to spend a couple of bucks, uh, which of those big names? It could it could really be at any position. Would you be the most interested in? Well, obviously, there's the connection there with with Cam Newton being a former Carolina Panther. There's the Carolina Buffalo connection. You got guys like Trey White tweeting out, are we the Carolina Bills or, or the Buffalo Panthers? Because there has been so much activity between you know, former Panthers heading to Buffalo within the last you know two, three seasons. And Cam Newton has a very similar skill set to Josh Allen. Um, ideally, I think for Cam Newton, he would wind up as a starter somewhere. And that somewhere for me would be with the LA Chargers, but if the Chargers have plans to roll with Tyrod heading into draft day and the Chargers decide that they want to maybe draft a Tua or you know maybe trade up a couple picks and try to get Joe Burrow, try to get that lottery pick at number one, um, you know, that, that could be something that they do. But I think if I was to choose between those three players um, for Buffalo, I would say Cam Newton is the most likely. Most intriguing would be Jameis Winston because this player has a lot of baggage in terms of the season or lack thereof that he had. It was a very odd season, uh, 30 touchdown passes, 30 interceptions. If I were to choose between those two quarterbacks, I'd probably lean towards Cam. Um, I think Jadavion Connie be a little bit out of their price range, but I'd probably go with Cam out of those three. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be tough for me to disagree with you as much as I want that, that fresh content. Um, I've been a pretty big Cam Newton um, pusher, um, and kind of just been waiting this thing out um, to see if New England would bite, if LA would bite. And it doesn't look like either of those teams are going to bite, especially not yet as the draft is three weeks away. It's tough for me to think that anyone else would be a better insurance policy because that's what you're taking out in Josh Allen. You're taking out, uh, you're taking out an insurance policy here, Ryan. So um, it's pretty necessary that in a, team, in, in a year or two that you're trying to win it all. I don't really see the problem with not going with a long-term deal here. I'm, I don't know if he'll want to one or he might want the, the, the like a Tannehill. He might, might, might only want a one-year deal, Ryan. So um, right, right. I'd want a two-year deal um, personally. I wouldn't want any longer. One is you're always at the risk to lose him. But, hey, you adding him to the comp pick formula, you have a lot of guys to re-sign. He's another name you throw into the mix when you're actually going to be looking at picks next year. So the comp pick formula might actually come into play next year as it has it in the last couple of years. And it won't this year either with all those free agents they signed. So I'm going Cam Newton. Um, I mean, if you want to consider like a Freeman or um, a Carlos Hyde, big name, even though those make a lot of sense. I don't consider those too big of a name guys. Um, really isn't anything at receiver. There's still like, you know, if you're a Delaney Walker fan out there, um, could make a lot of sense. 
um, to to bring in the vet as they were looking at Greg Olson earlier this year. Another Carolina guy that we, you know, the Bills kind of finished second only to basically because Seattle. Um, was in that and that was too too lucrative of a spot for him so there's still big name defensive ends I tweeted it out the other day you still have Everson Griffin Jabal Sheard Cam Wake if he plays Marcus Golden 10 sack guy um, you know Terrell Suggs or, or Cam Correa out there so there, there's definitely some names that I think are better than what the Bills have in their rotation so lots of stuff going on there in those positions and we've all been talking about safety uh, a little bit and um, you know, it's been kind of a hot topic with how they're going to draft the safety. We'll get into that later, but there's still some names out there. Tony Jefferson, Demarius Randall, uh, Rashad Jones, a couple of names, Eric Reed uh, was, was let go. So there's a couple of names out there that could definitely be a third safety on this roster is apparently we think that we need that. Uh, I personally don't. So, um, I agree with you though, Ryan, I think to, to, to kind of wrap it up, Cam Newton is the name I would go for. It's a $15 million insurance policy. Clearly, no one wanted to pay the 18 million deal he was under, or they would have traded for him. So I'm thinking he falls in the range of maybe a 12 to 15 million dollars, uh, 10 maybe maybe 10 to 15 somewhere in there, um, based on what the market will look like. But I don't think he's going to get a starting job. I would want to be ma- uh, matched with an offense that could be similar to what I played in in Carolina, similar to you could just hop right in if anything ever happened to Josh Allen. I think it's a really good spot with some good offensive weapons for Cam. So we'll see what ends up happening with him. Um, but, you know, there was that report that came out. Um, so what, what can you tell us about that, about the, the you know, potential of the Dolphins trading up? Yeah, this is a report that, uh, that really, I mean, obviously caught my eye because it involves the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. And uh, our uh, tweeter there on this tweet was Armando Salguero. He is um, a veteran of the Miami Herald. Uh, he's been a part of the Miami sports market for about 25, 30 years now. So it's a very reliable, you know, trusted source within the Miami market. And um, the news was that the Dolphins uh, will try to trade for the number one pick in the 2020 draft. And the Dolphins are eyeing uh, Joe Burrow. And this would drastically impact. As soon as I saw the tweet, I retweeted and, and said, hey, look, you know, this should not come as a shock if the Dolphins did not try to trade for the first overall pick in the 2020 draft it became available the Cincinnati Bengals it would be very smart to to not even fire I mean this is a franchise changing pick if they were to bring in a guy like Joe Burrow especially when you look at the AFC East the Buffalo trying to really make that climb as, as being the favor finding their identity uh, without Tom Brady and the New York Jets. You know it as well as I do, Kevin. They are in their own uh, identity crisis. They don't really know who they are. So it wouldn't be a shocker to me um, if these rumblings turn to actual uh, results and we actually saw this take place. A factor here, as one of the interviews that Joe Burrow has done, Joe Burrow has said, you know, I want to play for whoever drafts me. I will go wherever, you know, if he gets drafted by the Bengals, he will go there. Um, but you have to wonder if Cincinnati maybe doesn't want to just take one player at first overall and, and you know, settle for a, a player at first overall, whether it's Burrow or not. They might try to trade out of this pick and collect as many picks as possible, fill as many needs as possible, and, and we both know they have a lot of needs. They're, they're not a good football team right now. So this is very uh, interesting, and if since he wants to um, – fill more needs, they will definitely trade this pick. And, and it looks like this could be a possibility. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I mean, 
what would it cost here? So Miami has a ton of picks. I mean, if they, they need to make a play at this, they, they signed a lot of big name defensive free agents. Their offense is still anemic to me. It's terrible. Um, there's some big, they have some big draft picks still. And I think that it would take obviously um, that um, the first, the first for, they would have to go for that fifth overall pick that they have. Um, I think they would right. have to include their first, their next pick, which is I believe 18. Um, and then I think they would have to go with their high second that they have as well um, in the thirties. So I think that that would be um, really lucrative for them to come away with. And then obviously since he picked at the top of the second round, so now since he has four picks in the top 35, um, uh, that's really lucrative to build a roster around potentially one of these free agent quarterbacks we talked about, Andy Dalton, or still get to a, or still get, um, you know, whatever, whatever quarterback that's, that's, you know, Justin Herbert, maybe, uh, he, maybe Herbert, right. Yep. Right. Yep. That, yeah. That's that, the apple of their eye. Right. Yeah. That, that would, that would be enticing for sure. And the way I kind of think of things is, is very similar to yourself. You know, you think, well, if this is a report, and let's just play the speculation game. What would this actually cost for the Miami Dolphins to move up to this first overall pick? And this report states that, you know, Miami is interested in Joe Burrow, but they could end up taking Tua at first overall. I mean, you, you, you never say never in an NFL draft. A couple of years ago, we had Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and they didn't know until draft day what uh, the Cleveland Browns would end up doing with their first overall pick and they took Baker Mayfield. So you never know, but I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, two firsts were moved um, to move up from five to one to get Burrow. Maybe even if they didn't want to trade as many picks in this year's draft, they didn't want to swap. Maybe they would do a first this year, maybe a first next year and, and you know, kind of mishmash it that way. Um, but I think it would actually make sense for the Bengals here to, to actually trade down if, in fact, they are kind of not over the moon with Burrow or Tua. I don't know why they wouldn't be, um, because I think Burrow and, and Tua are two really solid quarterback prospects, but um, they are such a bad team, Kevin. I mean, they have right. so many needs on this team, and it, it, they're not in a situation where one player would really make or break them. Well, the argument there would be that they can get one or the other still at five because it, the, the next three picks are not quarterback teams. Um, you know, you got Washington there. Conceivably, they're going to take the best defensive player in the draft. Um, then obviously you have two teams that don't need quarterbacks there as well. Um, so the, the idea would be, okay, you give Miami their first choice. Maybe it's not your first choice. Um, and you're sitting there at five and you get all of those picks and still get a quarterback at five. And now you cash in for the 18th overall pick uh, as well as either a first next year or the 39th overall pick we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, either whatever you want to cash it in now or you want to have that first for next year. That's probably the going rate would be the five, the 18, um, yep. and the future first or high second this year. I might cash it in knowing that a high second this year, you know, could be really useful for my team. But at the same time, you might say, hey, I want um, – I don't know how good Miami's going to be even if it's, you know, 10 to 15 next year. You know, I'd rather wait on the pick next year uh, than take a late for their final late first. So there's a couple options. They could take that second – for the third first-round pick from Miami. They could basically swap drafts with them, Ryan, if they wanted to. Right, um, right. Or the player. So I might do that if I'm Cincinnati, but I guess not if I really am and scared that someone in the first four picks would take the quarterback and I got to have them, then you don't make that deal. But I think Miami is going to offer a lot. They're going to see what the Bills did. They're going to see what the Jets did early on in that draft, the 2018 draft. Um, and I think that they're going to they're gonna go that route. And uh, Cincinnati uh, might trade out with Miami and secure that quarterback for the future, giving three top 
10 picks at the, um, in the AFC East. So, and I'm not discounting um, New England from doing something. They have a couple of picks. Uh, we'll see right. what they do. If they just never count those guys out. (laughs) No, they have a late first and not, and not a lot else. Um, But they always finagle their way into, you know, they have all the thirds and the fourth in the draft pretty much every year. Um, They did trade their second. So we'll see what happens with new England in this whole shebang. Um, But I think where there's smoke, there's fire. So we'll see if there's a trade by Miami to come up and swap drafts with Cincinnati. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Getting into some draft prospects. Why don't we start off on the defensive side of the ball? Right. And I know you have some prospects over there on that side, you know, tell me what you have, you know, where you think the bill should go. Is it edge? Is it safety? You know, tell, you know, talk about what you have. And um, yeah, definitely. Of course. Yeah. So being that we are now in the aftermath of the Stefan Diggs trade, obviously Buffalo no longer has that first round selection in the 2020 NFL draft. And now we look towards Buffalo at 54th overall in the second round. Who the heck are they going to take? Are they going to stay at 54? Are they going to try to move up a couple of picks like they did last year for Cody Ford? Um, What are they going to do? And just hypothetically, you know, we'll just go with what we know. We know that they pick at 54 overall. What players potentially um, could be there at at 54? And, you know, that playing that scenario out is tough because you, you really have the draft is an inexact science, as you know, and this is something that we will debate in the coming weeks. What could they do? And you touched on it briefly. As far as the defensive end front, a lot of Bills fans are questioning the defensive ends that Buffalo has. They like the addition of Mario Addison, but he is a little bit long in the tooth. Uh, is that the number one need on this team? Um, I, I wouldn't say so. I would say that the running back, uh, a, a solid running back, especially in this running back draft class, would be more than welcomed by myself um, to pair with Devin Singletary. But in looking at the defensive ends for this draft class, there are a few that really have caught my eye that I think could possibly be there in the second round. And, and one in particular is Eacher Gross Matos out of University of Penn State, Penn State University. Um, the production is there. Um, super productive in the past two seasons. He had 35 tackles for loss and 17 and a half sacks. Is somebody that is a great run-stopping defensive end as well as a premium pass rusher and somebody that is a high-character guy. And in terms of trying to find that comparison to any player in the National Football League, I would kind of compare him to like a Demarcus Lawrence out of Dallas. He's got a lot of juice, a lot of speed, um, but maybe sometimes technically he's not quite there yet. More so – I don't know if he's fully grown into his body quite yet. And he's listed at 6'4", 264. He looks small for a guy that's 264 pounds, as crazy as, as that sounds. He could quite honestly end up being 280 pounds uh, within the next year or so. He's somebody that I greatly have enjoyed watching. I don't know if he'll be available at 54, but uh, if there's some trades, if, if some teams trade for certain positions, trade up and, and move things around, he could fall a little bit. Um, due to the fact that he really only had two productive years in college. He didn't have three or, or four. Um, and then as well, on the defensive end front, um, a guy that came out of a, a great school as well as Jabari Zuniga out of Florida. Um, he had three sacks in his first two games of 2019, but he had a untimely high ankle sprain. It really kind of sapped his year. Um, but a player that had 18 and a half career sacks, and he had a high of six and a half sacks in 2018 someone that I have definitely watched and, and have seen um, watching that conference in college football, someone that is athletic, 
uh, high cut edge rusher, very impressive physically and has pure speed for someone that is in the range of 6'3", 253 pounds. So he's a little bit lighter than Yutu Gross Matos, um, but he's somebody that can find a way to get to the pass rusher in a tough, in a tough conference. So um, NFL comparison for him, for me, would be like a Frank Clark. Uh, Frank Clark is not the, the heaviest pass rusher. He's around 255, 260. Um, and Frank Clark has actually gotten better as the years have gone on in the NFL. He was a highly sought-after trade piece for the eventual Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. So those are two players that, that I do think will be available in the second round, more so Zuniga than Gross Matos. I think people could really fall in love with Gross Matos due to his story. Uh, he's somebody that has had unspeakable tragedies thrown at him uh, at a very young age. His father um, died of a drowning in a drowning accident, and his brother was tragically struck by lightning during a Little League uh, t-ball game. And watching the E60 documentary on him, um, on Yitro Grossmatos, just a phenomenal human being that would fit the mold of the type of leaders that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have been willing to bring in over the last two, three seasons. So um, he's somebody that I just feel would really fit in here and kind of goes back to the days of, yeah, they took Paul Puzlesny, uh, but Shane Conlon was a stud out of Penn State. Um, Aaron Maven didn't work out so well, but Penn State has always produced decent players. So um, he's coming out of a school that played against top competition. He was a force in the UB game, um, actually, during the University of Buffalo Penn State game. So um, those yeah, are some was. guys that I really like. In the yeah, he was. He was uh, UB, UB was winning that game at halftime, and uh, he, he was a big difference maker in the second half, um, for sure. Uh, there's some good defensive end names there, as you know, like you mentioned. There's a couple other names to watch out for: and Curtis Weaver from Boise State, right. 6'2", 265. You know, Juliana Clara from Notre Dame, Terrell Lewis from Alabama, um, Josh Shea from Michigan, uh, Jonathan Greener from Florida, and Bradley May from Utah. That's kind of like my, you know. And then there's Alton Robinson from Syracuse. Those are kind of the names I'm looking out for in day three or day two, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. I do think young Jason, um, Apenza and Gross Matos are probably gone in the top 25. Um, if any of those, you know, fall, not Chase Young, obviously, but if the other three, any of them fall, I could see the Bills being interested in moving to the top of the second, even in right. the back end of the first to grab a premier. Those are the four premier pass rushers. The, the rest just you can like kind they, of pick and choose. Right, just like they did for Ford. And, and that would be a scenario that I would see if, if Gross Montos is available in the high 30s, like 38, 39, right. maybe even 40th overall. Price keeps going down, yep. Yeah, I don't see how you don't move up a little bit to, to make that happen, but Another defensive end is Darnell Taylor out of Tennessee. Um, he's somebody that I really like as well. Um, so there's a few guys out there that, that some of them are, you know, small school situations and, and Syracuse is not known as, as a big time football school quite yet, but um, Alton Robinson out of Syracuse, he's more in the fourth, fifth round range. He had solid production um, in the three years that he played in Syracuse. So he's somebody that, you know, very similar physically, uh, in comparison um, to um, to the Florida State defensive end um, that I mentioned earlier, uh, Zuniga, and I think that he's somebody that will definitely um, get picked probably in the fourth or fifth round. But, hey, if you're a Bills fan out there that does not want Buffalo to take a defensive end in the second round, maybe that's, that's me. Stay local. Yeah, stay local, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yep. That's stay local. I, I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, kind of segueing to the next position group. If the bills decide to um, come away with just two guys in this draft, they kind of move around the board with their remaining picks. They have a lot of them still um, mm-hmm. just not one in the first, um, you know, they still have that extra six and the rest of their complement of draft picks. So I wouldn't be shocked if they kind of do what they do on day two, move around the board and come away with two stars that they not stars, but potential studs that they, um, would you know be in the, in the starting mix early on in their careers, and then a couple of depth players. Uh, I think that that there's not a lot of roster spots here, Ryan. There really isn't. There's an edge spot, a potential safety right. spot, a running back spot, potential wide receiver spot. But there's not a lot of moves here uh, that the Bills can make on a potential cornerback spot. So really, you know, four or five spots, um, depending on what they want to do at linebacker. Um, that they, there's there's not enough spots to so that immediately I, I'm I'm in I'm in the mode to trade one of these you know a couple of these picks around because they can't come away with um, if they're willing to move one of these four or five you know fifth round or sixth round pick away to move up a couple of spots I could see that happening for a guy they're after oh for sure oh yeah. for sure and and Brandon Bean has has done that I mean every opportunity he's had whether it was for Allen even in the first or Jermaine Edmonds uh, Trey White they moved back and acquired picks to to get him so. Um, you know, and then the Cody Ford, um, you know, trade that I mentioned. And, you know, you mentioned a position as well. Corner in this draft, I think, is absurdly underrated in, in this draft. Um, I have not heard a lot of draft analysts talking about the cornerback position. You hear, you know, Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio State. You hear C.J. Henderson out of Florida. Um, I really like Cameron Dantzler out of Mississippi State, who was a two-year starter, had a lot of takeaways, five interceptions, always getting his hands on the ball. I mean, 20 pass breakups. He could have had, you know, more interceptions throughout his career. He was like a magnet to the football um, and was a great tackler. Kind of reminds me of an Antoine Winfield, but he's six foot two. I mean, you can't get that size usually out of the cornerback position. Um, and he's somebody that I really like in terms of the corners. So just a little nugget there for the fans to kind of uh, go check him out. I mean, he's somebody that if he was available in the second round, if, if Gross Matos was not there or, one of the running backs that you, know, you or I desire uh, is not there, then uh, Cameron Dantzler, I think, would be a great fit in this defense. Yeah, to me, it's it's a position group that's possible. Um, there's a lot of names that are fighting for these cornerback spots. So it to me, it's more of a situation to where they need to get a top end guy in to compete. I don't see a way for a day three corner to make this roster. I really don't. Um, a developmental corner. Um, they're kind of developing Cam Lewis uh, for our UB listeners out there. Um, he's kind of being their developmental guy, but they just brought in EJ Gaines. Uh, a couple of the free agent uh, uh, updates we should we should mention. EJ Gaines was yep. signed, um, so that's that's a pretty big uh, deal here at this position group. He is coming off of that injury. I don't think we can count on him to be cornerback too, but we can count on him to be um, depth to make the roster if he stays healthy. Right, Ryan. Right, and the way this defense works is, is you have a rotation, obviously, much like on the defensive line where you have guys rotating in and out. You know, Jordan Phillips out on, in on one play and maybe Ed Oliver on another and rotating these guys in and out. That's what they want out of their secondary. That's what they've had out of their secondary. And another guy that they've developed, you know, over the last couple of years is Levi Wallace, and he had some growing pains, if you will. But that's why you do bring in a guy like Josh Norman to maybe show him you know, the ropes a little bit here and there and show Cam Lewis the ropes here and there. But um, EJ Gaines in his third go around with this franchise, and it's it's not for the lack of trying. I mean, this guy went healthy 
was phenomenal and could not stay healthy. Could Which not isn't often. <laughs> right, it's, not, right. it's not often. Right. So he's got to avoid that injury bug. And, and this is the third time. Is the third time the charm. I'm not sure, but um, we'll find out. And I think if they were to, you know, maybe not go, if, if one of the running backs is not there that they really want, if, if this draft gets a little bit running back happy and, you know, some of the defensive ends are gone as well that we mentioned, um, I think you do have to really look at the, the secondary. And I know the secondary is looked at by most fans as a true strength of this team. But if you have the opportunity to bring in a young corner, um, someone that you wouldn't really have to show, as, as I mentioned earlier, the ropes to this corner in a Cameron Dantzler, or shall we say, you know, bring in Trayvon Diggs of Alabama, the brother of, of Stephon Diggs. That could happen as well. Yep. So he's rising up draft boards. Um, he really is, and, and he's a physical guy as well, much like uh, Dantzler is. He's 6'2", you know, 2'10", thick 2'10", for a corner. And um, that could be a possibility as well. Right. So yeah. I, I definitely like the idea of that. And I know Sean McDermott likes to add as much as he possibly can to the defensive side of the ball. So right. don't rule that out. Yeah, I mean, with Akuda, Henderson, Fulton, Diggs, those are the potential firsts to me. Obviously, if any of those fall, Bill should be interested. You know, A.J. Terrell's right there on the borderline as well. Bryce Hall, a couple of names to look, look out for early in day um, two. Um, late in day one, uh, so those those are some some good names that I think the Bills would be interested in. As we get deeper, you know, down a couple of names out there: Jalen Johnson from Utah, um, like you mentioned, Cameron Dantzler, um, and then you know there's 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 some names there. But as we get deeper and deeper, it's just a harder path uh, to the right. roster for that corner spot. I mean, it's could it use a top end talent? Absolutely. Right. Can it provide a lot of depth? Like, do we have a lot of roster spots for developing players? Not really. If we're going to keep guys like uh, Levi Wallace on the roster, um, like they will, and you know, obviously Taron Johnson, um, you know, the, there's not going to be a lot of spots for guys taken in day three here. So we'll see if the Bills make a day um, day two corner move slash safety. It's been a pretty hot topic. If they're going to go with like a Kyle Duggar or Jeremy Chin, um, those have been some pretty hot names for the big nickel a position they haven't really played. Um, they do have one on the roster, and Saran uh, Neal, uh, special teams guy, really started to play better on defense once he switched to corner and wasn't really made for a safety. Um, do they bring in a better big nickel? Um, I don't know. It's not the number one need on me. Is it something you see at the safety position um, going with a guy like that as early um, as the, the mid-second round, Ryan? Right, and in terms of the the safety position, there could be a player out there that, that plays safety in the collegiate level, but he's more of a fit as a corner in the NFL level. And I see that in the gentleman by the name of Antoine Winfield Jr., which should be a familiar name uh, to Buffalo Bills fans. As far as the round um, that Winfield could get picked in, he didn't really perform as great as he had hoped at the scouting combine, in my, in my opinion. Right. But in terms of putting forth a great effort at the collegiate level. Um, he was first team all big 10 pick and a team MVP in 2019. He had the 88 tackle season with the Gophers. Um, phenomenal smarts in terms of football instincts, if you will, on the field, much like his father. And weaknesses, I would say, would that would, would be that he is undersized and is you know listed at 510, 205 in the zone scheme that Sean McDermott likes to likes to run a little bit and we've seen that with Josh Norman in Carolina um, rather than running a 
you know, CB1 on a wide receiver one, rather than doing that, putting a safety that is better suited as a corner in Sean McDermott's defense, I think Antoine Winfield Jr. could actually be, you know, a solid option um, as a depth piece here on this defense. But the question is, what round would a guy like that go? And especially when his combine was not the best. Probably the uh, second. Yeah, I think he's a second, second or third, round. I'd say. Yeah. yeah, I'd say I'd say he's a second, just just based on his production at college. But um, if teams overanalyze the scouting combine, which we know they do a time or two, um, he could maybe fall into the you know late second, early third round. Right. He just seems like such a bright a bright kid, and and has that energy. Um, similar to his dad, and it's pretty fun watching his highlight and literally saying to myself, this guy reminds me of his dad. And we know he was a great player when he was here for the, for the years that he was here. And oddly enough, he was born in Buffalo when Antoine Winfield was playing here. So it would be like full circle for him if he were to be picked right. by the Bills. So we'll see. Yeah, and obviously of A.J. Terrell, kind of the hybrid safety corner too from Clemson, played really well. Um, right. Sitting at the late first round, we'll see what happens with him if he moves up, down, whatever. You know, Xavier McKinney from Bama, Grant Delpit from LSU, some higher-end guys. Once again, the Bills will be keeping an eye on. Um, all these names we've brought up here on defense, if any of these guys fall into the top of the second, um, for them to move up for one of those playmakers. You know, you have Ashton Davis from California, thought as of the early day two pick. Um and then uh, Terrell Burgess from Utah. Those are kind of the day one, day two um, safety cornerbacks that we've all discussed. So we'll see which one's the apple of their eye, uh, which, which route that they go into. Um, if they go DB at all, um, they could. I seem, seem to think um, there's a path to the roster on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive linemen, unless you're going to get a top-end talent, to me, I don't see the roster spots available. They already have a guy they're developing in Cody Ford. Uh, a couple other names they really like on the roster. Ryan Bates, a, a versatile guy. Ike Bodiger, uh, Bodiger um, versatile, another versatile lineman. Um, they just, you know, as we mentioned, you know, they just made the signing of Daryl Williams, the offensive guard, offensive tackle. Um, they have Spencer Long, the center, offensive guard. Um, Who well, took know, a much-needed pay cut, by the way, I believe. So that was, that was nice of them, right? <laughs> that was nice of them. Um, yeah. Um, and I then – was it? No, I was just saying, yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, I, did he, t- I have him at, he just kind of um, agreed to um, his contract. I didn't see a cut on long. I saw a cut for Croft. Um, oh, okay. I'm thinking of Croft. Yeah. yeah my bad, that. folks. Yeah, it was Croft. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I mean, he's not on an unreasonable deal, but he is getting paid $4 million as a backup line. Right. So, you know, he's got to play fairly well here in the preseason to earn that yes. roster spot. For sure. Um, so yeah, I they, there's just a lot a, of depth there, Ryan. Right, there is. And, and in terms of Daryl Williams, um, that was a guy that they were interested in last offseason. They obviously didn't get him, but to get him, that right. is going to be very uh, fun to see how he fits into this offensive line, where he fits into this offensive line. Um, truthfully, if the Buffalo Bills had a first-round draft choice in this draft and they wanted to go uh, towards the line of scrimmage. Uh, Makai Becton out of Louisville. Whoever gets this guy yeah. is going to get a monster on the offensive line. Uh, just mentioning him just due to the fact that he's got to be a top 10 pick. Oh, yes. I mean, in terms of production in college against top competition um, and, and just everything about this guy exudes dominance. I mean, he's going to be a great offensive lineman in this league, I think, for many years to come. It kind of reminds me of a Joe Thomas type offensive lineman left tackle. Um, and in terms of 
Clemson, you know, and looking at all of this, you know, draft information, the recurring theme is Alabama and Clemson. And it is just amazing what these two programs have done consistently in terms of producing top level um, talent for NFL teams to kind of sift through and scout and to kind of pluck through and, and find out which guys fit their team the best. And I'm looking forward to kind of looking at, as you said, the offensive side of the ball, and, and we'll do that um, here on the show. Because as you said, I do think there is more more room for these rookie players to make an impact on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, obviously your starting offensive line is Deion Dawkins, Quentin Spain was re-signed, Mitch Morse, John Feliciano, Cody Ford as of right now. They have some they have three fairly priced backup offensive linemen, and Ty and Saki making five point two million on the on the cap. Um, uh, like we talked about, Spencer Long making three point one two five against the cap, um, and then Daryl Williams. But we don't know his exact numbers yet. Um, not, not that I've seen anything official on Daryl Williams' contract yet. So they have three veterans that are making money, and then on top of that, I've you know brought up the other you know developmental guys in Ryan Bates. Um, as well as Ike Butker too. So I don't see a path to the roster for a not top twenty pick. Um, obviously, the you know the Wills of Alabama of the world and and Beckton of the world and Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Um, you know these top twenty picks. There's a path to the roster, obviously. Um, but as you get down the roster, or excuse me, of the draft board, a lot of these guys um, will be fighting for roster spots. They, they gave Spain a lot of money, or at least a good sizable guard contract. Um, they really do like what they saw. The Feliciano, um, obviously, Morse is their you know high priced center. They're developing Ford, and they really like Dawkins. There isn't a lot of room, especially with those backups for for an offensive lineman, Ryan. So I can't see that being the way they go. Maybe later as a developmental guy. Um, I don't care what they do in day three, but for purposes of day two, um, I don't really see there being a path to their even let alone the, the the lineup, let alone the roster there for an offensive lineman, unless it's a top talent. Um, I don't see them playing in the tight end market, um, per se as well. What, well, as long as they have Dawson Knox is kind of their developmental guy with Croft, Lee Smith, uh, Tommy Sweeney. So I don't see that being it, but the two position groups, obviously that we see is running back and receiver, um, as a way to the roster running back a lot easier than receiver to me, receiver. Um, there's a lot of big names that we've all gone over. We all went out ad nauseum prior to the Diggs trade, um, you know, the CD Lambs and Jerry Judy's and the Henry Ruggs should be gone by um, top 20. You know, T Higgins was said that the Bills were interested, went to his pro day and weren't impressed. Um, so right. that could have led to the Diggs trade. We'll see if that ends up being true. You know, Justin Jefferson, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Denzel Mims, you know, uh, there's a lot of names. Uh, Chernol, you know, a guy that I really like out of Colorado. Um, you know, J- Jalen Regeer from TCU, KJ Hamler, um, the, you know, the name Chase Claypool, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Devin Duvernay. I mean, so there's names in this day, in day two. Um, and then obviously Gandy Golden's another name that from Liberty, a guy that people seem to really like as well. So lots of day two names. And obviously all those day one names can't go in day one. Um, so the Bills could be in a really advantageous spot to be like, yeah, we have a top three, but yeah, we don't really love our fourth receiver. And if we have one injury, we'd like to be able to play a guy like uh, Ayuk um, coming, you know, develop him 
as the fourth receiver. Um, obviously, I think they're going right. to spot on Andre Roberts. But from there, the six receivers, um, that's four for sure. Um, are they getting given up on Foster? I don't know. He adds a lot of special teams ability. Are they going to go with McKenzie? They seem to want him back. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and I, I, there Williams. was a part there that did – yeah, there was a part there that did get cut out um, in in the recording, so I, it was it was a little bit uh, mishmashy there for a second. But in terms of the wide receivers, I mean, the Bills fans out there really wanted that true wide receiver one, and and the Bills went out and they got it. They went out, they got Stephon Diggs, and they got a guy that's young, and they got a guy that's relatively inexpensive for the production that I think he's going to be able to bring to this offense. And you mentioned, you know, all the names of the you know wide receivers. The guys that I really feel are being – the fact that I – I guess I should say the, the facts that I feel like are being kind of slept on within this whole Stefan Diggs trade is that they went after a player that has established NFL production in a draft year where the wide receiver class is pretty great, but the Bills are not in that position in the early 20s to – go get that guy to, to go make that trade, to trade up, to get that guy, to get up, you know, to the top 10 and get a jury Judy or a Henry Ruggs, or maybe a top 15 and get a CD lamb or somebody like that. I, I think that Bill's fans out there that are a little bit anti Stefan Diggs trade should say to themselves, why would we trade up again for a rookie wide receiver? When we are in win now mode, we do trade up for jury Judy or, or Henry Ruggs. Let's just say, what if those guys take a little bit of time to get acclimated to the offense, not just to the offense, but to the National Football League? Instead, they went out and they got a proven NFL commodity in Stephon Diggs, a guy that put up um, pretty solid numbers in Minnesota the last couple of years, and a guy that I think potentially could put up better numbers in Buffalo's offense with a gunslinging type quarterback like Josh Allen. Let's face it, for whatever reason, it, it just seemed as if Stephon Diggs and Kirk Cousins just were not in sync. Um, and you remember, oddly enough, the guy that threw that Minneapolis miracle pass was not Kirk Cousins, it was Case Keenum. And they like called Case Keenum and uh, brought in Kirk Cousins on a guaranteed 80 million plus contract. So I think there was some friction there between Diggs and Cousins. Diggs needed that new start. And for the Bills fans that are still a little bit pessimistic about this trade with Buffalo going after Stephon Diggs and getting him, and us not having a first-round pick, there are plenty of wide receivers to choose from in this draft. They can get a really good receiver in a really great wide receiver draft class. Yeah, definitely. Leaving one position group left, and that's running back. But I want to leave that for we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave that for next show, Ryan. I, I want the people oh, to sure. come back yeah. running back. It's my spot. I think the Bills should go in the second round. So we're gonna break down some of those names right here on this show next week. Um, those those running back names we all know. Um, so tune in I next week. I can't wait week. for that. I yeah. can't wait for that. Yeah, because the running back position, you know. A couple years ago, it was looked at as, hey, you, you don't have to get that running back in the first round. Well, if you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, if you have a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, is there an Ezekiel Elliott or Christian McCaffrey in this running back draft class? You'll find out next week. Yeah, definitely. And is that a misconception? Maybe you don't need a top 10 running back, but you definitely need to have good running backs. And day two yes. is a perfect place to find them. Um, you, I saw a stat that the day three running backs are actually um, bigger misses than you think. Um, so mm -hmm. 
stay tuned next week to the sweet spot of the running back, which is round two and round three, uh, 50% hit rate. So we're going to talk about some of those names um, and going to break that down. But it was an action-packed show. Um, and as always, the show is brought to you by Trainwreck Sports and Picasso's Pizza. Get out there and get your best pizza in Buffalo from Picasso's Pizza. Um, make sure you check them out and order the pizza. They're going to give you delivery right now. So um, make sure you do what you can um, to, to support the local economy. Brian, any last news or nuggets for us? Uh, news or nuggets uh, to everybody that's tuning in the show. Stay safe. Stay home. Um, everybody's going through a lot right now, collectively in the world, not just in our country. So I definitely feel for everybody. These are really trying times, but the one thing that anyone that tunes into this podcast knows, and one thing that I know as well, is that sports can help us get through. And while there is no sports, there is always sports to talk about. That's true. Every minute of every day. Um, and hopefully the draft, the schedule is supposed to be released in May. Lots of good stuff coming up, so stay tuned for that. And playoffs were expanded for this season. So that extra spot, it goes from needing 10 wins, maybe down to eight and a half to nine wins. Lots of changes here in the NFL. Um, but stay tuned. to the, This is the cap, and we're looking forward to next week where we break down running backs and more. Talk to you soon. See you guys later.